What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. I am Kalen and one of your hosts, along with Mr. Phil Vallejo. And uh, we are going to go ahead and talk to you today about another sort of philosophical subject that's kind of piggybacks on uh, what we discussed last episode. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to be a volunteer. And so for those of you guys who are joining us for the first time, uh, the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, what is it? Um, we are dedicated to discussing the most up-to-date and relevant information that surrounds the lifestyle and the journey of the modern-day rifleman. So whether you guys are military, law enforcement professionals, long-range shooting enthusiasts, hunters, precision rifle competitor, you are listening to this podcast because you're dedicated to the craft. And like Philip and I, you are forever students on this endless journey of becoming the most well-rounded rifleman that you can be. And so welcome to the episode, guys. Thank you for listening. A um, little tidbit of information. First and foremost, you guys are crushing it. We are past, we just passed 70,000 downloads. So we are on our, well on our way to that 100,000 download mark, which is super amazing. And um, we got, you guys are the ones to thank for it. So thank you very much for listening. Um, we love the comments. We love the feedback. It's been coming in at a steady stream. I think we're up to like 250 something comments on, on the Podbean application. That's awesome. And so um, another thing, guys, the, the online training, holy shit, you guys killed it, man. Thank you so much. We haven't quite hit that 200 mark yet for plank holders. I don't really know yet what I'm going to do for you guys as plank holders, but I guarantee you, I will not forget you. So um, with that being said, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, you know, F Phil and I were discussing topics and what we wanted to talk about. And, you know, we, we kind of discussed maybe talking about a, a technical subject, but um, we've been getting a lot of emails, at least myself, I've been getting a lot of emails from, from people uh, specifically in the law enforcement sniper community, uh, extending thanks and st extending gratitude. And um, I think, uh, I think it's, it's time to talk about what it really means to be a volunteer because I think sometimes that gets lost in translation along the way as we uh, continue to push forward. And in our careers, sometimes we can reach a, a point of, of stagnancy um, and kind of like doldrums, if you will. And, it's really important that we understand our true purpose and we understand what it means to be a volunteer. And so I think that's what we decided to come, come talk to you guys today about. You know, I think everyone goes and is uh, susceptible to this in, in waves, right. Of uh, waves of pockets of motivation. I do. I mean, it happens to me all the time. Um, but I think the, the moment that I found my why uh, and my intentions with, um, you know, understanding what I wanted to pursue with, you know, being a uh, sniper and a sniper instructor, I, I think like it ultimately motivated me or drove me, I, I wouldn't say motivated, more like drove me to, uh, this path of um searching for more truths my own truths and, and answers into what i've uh been taught in 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 the past right and to essentially take the, the information that i know use it as a baseline foundation and 
challenge everything to figure out, okay, how can I communicate this to um, my future students or whatever, whether he's a sniper, whether he's a hunter, so that it allows them to be successful, right, in their own, you know, discipline. And obviously, I would say that my, my, uh, my why I found out, I would say, right after... Uh, when I was a team leader, um, right after I graduated cyber school, went to uh, I did my third deployment with one four, and I just really had, you know, the the drive to take the information that I learned from sniper school, and just pass it on to my 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 pigs, right, my junior marines, so that they could ultimately be successful. And then again, you know, still that was two thousand what twelve thirteen, and I hadn't been into you know my individual precision rifle game, but a lot of that still was still just a regurgitation, right? So I would say that it was more on that aspect, just the mentorship side of the house. And until I became a sniper school instructor, I, I really realized that, okay, well, now I, there now is not the time to just regurgitate information because some of the shit is not making sense of what I'm teaching uh, versus what I'm actually finding on my own when I'm, when I'm shooting. If that, if that makes sense. Total sense. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, for, for people that get into the profession of sniping, you know, I, I think some of us, you know, have that. It, 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 I, it all stems down to ego, right? I mean, you, you hit the nail on the, uh, on the head on your uh, previous post with the sniper tab. It's like, Hey, it's either you, you join the ranks and, you know, you become a part of lifestyle or get the fuck out of my way. Right. Because truly those guys that are just there for the shirt and cert are just, I mean, they make a bad name for us because they're, they're just in it for themselves. Um, whereas, you know, I knew ultimately that I was in it for the, the bigger purpose of something that was bigger than myself. Yeah, I think it also stems from <clears throat> not really understanding what it is that you're getting into. Um, and the uh, the uh, the amount of the amount of commitment that it takes to be a volunteer, and what what it does mean to be a volunteer in this in this particular profession. So, anybody who volunteers to go um, above and beyond, you are you're held to a higher standard. It doesn't matter doesn't matter whether you think you should be or not. <clears throat> you are held to a higher standard. So you know, like some of this stuff got driven, driven home to me at, at specific classes when, you know, I'm, I'm passing information and it's like two 30 in the afternoon and dudes just stand up and start packing up gear and, and leaving. And I'm just like, where are you going? What are you doing? Oh man, you know, like I gotta be traffic and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, what, what the fuck are you talking about, man? And then it's like, well, okay this is not my place at this point in time to, um, to remotivate you. Like it's not my, it's not my place in this point in time to remotivate you to, to, to stay here and do your job. Um, but then I started thinking about that later on and I realized that that truly is a huge problem in, in a couple of the communities out there and it needs to be addressed. It needs, it's one of those elephants in the room that really truly needs to be addressed. And 
the only way that you're going to continue to progress, the only way that you're going to continue to go forward is to do it yourself. Nobody here is going to do it for you. Like, man, when I realized that, I realized it at a, at a young age that like, if much probably like you did when you started to look at things and started to evaluate what it was that you were being taught and you're going, hmm, this, this doesn't really make sense. I mean, the words make sense, but the way that I was taught in terms of like expounding on those particular words, be it a definition or, um, you know, an explanation for a particular phenomena that you see, you start seeing stuff and you're like, nah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. That's not real. Um, and then that's how paradigms get shifted. The paradigm gets shifted when you yourself do that work because you are a volunteer. You are the person that is supposed to be driving that bus. And when you do those things and, and you, you see a phenomenon or you see something that comes up and you're like, man, nah, man, this doesn't, it's not fitting what, what I was taught. It's your responsibility to do that work and make the effort to make that known to the rest of your community. Because if not, then you're just, you are part of the problem yourself. So this is a collective. Um, this is a big collective and it stems really, it just comes from education and understanding truly what does it mean to be a volunteer? Like what, what are you taking on? What responsibilities are you taking on as that volunteer? And they're tremendous. They're huge. It's um, your, the legacy of your community is what you're taking on as you are a volunteer. Because once you volunteer, you attain that title, whatever it is, man, it doesn't have to be a sniper. It doesn't have to be anything associated with it. It could be, it could be a freaking candlestick maker. It doesn't matter. It is, as long as you understand that, you know, I'm, I'm, why am I volunteering for this? Number one, like, what's your purpose? And that is a huge, that's a huge thing because, you know, we could, we do, I mean, we see a huge influx of instructors into this community. They're, they're all over the place, man. You can shake a stick and find a precision rifle class to go to anywhere in the nation. Cool, fine. You know, dude goes and does a couple of combat deployments, comes back and says, oh, I'm going to teach people how to shoot because I know what I'm talking about. Mm, well, maybe, maybe. Are you a teacher though? Are you a teacher and can you communicate that information or are you just resting on your laurels and relying on some experiences that you've had to, uh, to get some people to come to a class. Yeah. So I'm guilty of that in, in the sense that when I crossed over to the civilian sector and I realized how much easier it was to, uh, I wouldn't say easier. Um, the, uh, delivery of information was, um, a lot less, uh, hassling, um, because I mean, really all I had to do was break down the basic techniques of, you know, what we were taught fundamentals of marksmanship and stuff like that. It's like, you know, uh, and you hear it all the time. It's like, man, I just got to teach this guy how to, you know, you know, press the trigger and I'm making bank. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you, you heard a lot and I, I was like, man, it's a, it's a lot easier in the sense that now I'm just focusing strictly on marksmanship. When I was in marksmanship at, at sniper school, yeah, that was what my focus was, but you know, come stocking, stocking phase and mission planning, you know, then, then we have to wear other hats. Although I wasn't the primary instructor for that, you know, we still had to kind of balance, you know, our, our duties as instructors with helping out uh, different phases. And, um, 
I think six months into me being an instructor here at Gunworks, I started to realize, well, what's going to make me different than all the other instructors, quote unquote, out there, right? That are just regurgitating the same shit um, that we learned in cyber school, right? Mm -hmm. Or they learned in cyber school. I I see it. I mean, I'm, I'm lurking on the internet. I'm lurking on your advertisements and some of your videos. And I see it like you're just saying the same shit that was in the schoolhouse publication, you know, that I was taught in 2011 when I went to cyber school, even when I was in 2009. I mean, the, the hogs that taught me when I was a pig were just regurgitating from uh, the schoolhouse pub. So then, you know, what motivated, what's beginning to motivate me was like, okay, well, how am I going to um, present this information in a different manner that's more digestible? And it's, it's my own essentially truth right? In my, in my own words, you know what I mean? Just like we talk about natural point of aim. When you ask someone what the definition of natural point of aim is, they tell you how to check it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tell you the definition of it. And, um, you know, going back to, you know, when you said that, Hey, uh, like about two thirty, these guys are starting to wrap up and I'm like thinking back to my Marine Corps days. I mean, when you're the leader and you know, like, um, you're off when all of the, the task and the mission is, is completed for that day, right? And all your juniors, guess what they're thinking about? Fucking Chow and Libo. Libo at 1600. <laughs> Libo. Right? And trust me, I was the same fucking way. When I was Lance, Cor- Lance Corporal, Corporal, it's like, nope, fucking 1600. If you ain't got shit for me, I'm out of here after formation. Um, and then, you know, when I, when I, became that chief scout and i realized holy fuck like you know we're not training to a a timeline you know we need to train to a standard um and unfortunately you know as as probably you saw it and we saw it too uh toward the later stages of me being a scout cyber instructor um you know a lot of it was training to a timeline because we had to meet certain transport times and stuff like that to where like hey if you don't get on that fucking that bus you're gonna miss your transport and then Someone's get their ass chewed right, right. deep down, uh, down the line. And um, no, but, but time was never really like a factor. It's like, you know, when I showed up for work, you know, this is just me. And, you know, I tell Nicole, like, hey, I don't know what time I'm going to be home tonight, you know, because uh, I've got, you know, Katie today, no distance. Got, um, and then we've got um, some surveillance afterwards. I'm going to stay with the, the, the students to talk about their data books because it's called next week. So I probably won't be home till. 19, 20, 100. And I won't be back till home till 21, uh, mm-hmm. nine o'clock at night. And like, I mean, yeah, that's something that I, that I did, but I could have, I could have easily just been like, Oh, fucking 1800. I'm out of here. Like, it's like, you know, I'm not being paid any extra to work any extra hours. Right. I mean, I'm on I'm, the Marine Corps is on salary paid to the first and 15th of every month, mm-hmm. but just like every other Marine under work hours, especially like the admin shops, what time they get like, you ever try to go to the admin shop at like 1600? <laughs> Guess where those motherfuckers are at? Not there. Not there. From 12 to 1300, not there. Cause they're at their, their regular chow hours. Um, but that, that's not for people like us who are volunteers into this craft that we, we chose to do. Also, <clears throat> you know, this, this stems from, um, uh, the fact that when when you take on the role when you when you volunteer to do something and you and you do 
you, you do take on those responsibilities and expectations of going above and beyond. And, you know, I'm going to, I'll take the, I'll take the law enforcement community here and, and talk about that because I think it's, I think it's something that, um, that needs to be discussed. You know, I get a lot of messages all the time of, of guys saying, you know, how do I motivate my guys to stay, to, to train? Um, and for me, it just kind of boggles my mind. It's because I'm looking at it and I'm going, dude, like, how can you not want to be like just straight up gangster training? Everybody should be coming up with drill ideas. Everybody should be chomping at the bit when it comes. So here's a, here's an example. Okay. So I guarantee that a lot of you guys that are listening to this have no idea, but the average law enforcement sniper has eight hours a month to train eight hours a month, not a week, a month. So that in and of itself to me, like screams danger, red flag, like that's not cool. You are nowhere near the, you know, where you are nowhere near having the ability unless you're doing it on your own to stay truly proficient at what you do. And, you know, I know there's going to be some people out there that are going to cry foul. And it's just like, you know what? I don't really give a shit, dude, pick up the phone, give me a call. We'll have a conversation about it because the, the fact is that it's wrong. And if you guys aren't doing this on your own, if you're not seeking this stuff out on your own, you're doing yourself and your community a disservice because you volunteered to take that role on. You volunteered to wear that hat. You volunteered to wear that tab and wear all that cool guy gear and have that bolt action rifle in your hands. So with that though comes a tremendous amount of responsibility. And if you're not willing to take on that responsibility, then brother, you better hang it up. And like I said, you better get out of my way because we have things to do. And there are people out there that are really motivated to make those changes happen. And, you know, this is just one of those things where, where, um, you need that motivation. You need somebody there to provide guidance and leadership, because if you're not getting it yourself, then it's got to come from somewhere. And if you're one of those guys in that position that are holding that are that are holding that role, then and it doesn't matter what what kind of profession you're in, man. This this goes to this doesn't go for just shooting, law enforcement, military. This goes for everything that you do in your life, whether especially like you mean competitive shooting. You know, somebody just made a made a comment the other day, like, "Hey, what's the difference between a professional?" you know, what defines a professional shooter? And it's just like, Oh dude, <laughs> you just opened up a giant can of worms because oh, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are getting butthurt on that post. Yeah. And it's just like, well, too fucking bad, man. The it is what that it is. are getting butthurt are the ones that not, they're not commenting there because they're the ones that they're mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, that, I mean, that was the reason why they made a post about it, Right. And, right. uh, they're just kind of seeing what they're piercing, but yeah. And this, this comes with that volunteer status. This comes mm-hmm. with, with identifying what your intention is, right? Because your intention dictates everything. Your ego will dictate your intention and mm-hmm. then your intention will dictate your behavior. And then your behavior will dictate your legacy that you leave. And all of that stuff is interrelated, man. And like, you guys have to understand that when you wear that hat, of subject matter expert, like you are the example, you're the example. And you have to, you, you always have to have that in the back of your mind that 
you know, especially because wh- wh- who does everybody love to hate in, in this, in this world of, of precision shooters, everybody loves to hate snipers. Yep. And it's like, it's one of those things where everybody complains, Oh, the admin doesn't understand me. Well, then clearly you're not doing enough. Uh, you're not doing enough to help educate them. And I, this is another thing I've, I've heard. It's like, Oh, I've been doing this for 30 years and it's never changed. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, sorry, man. Like if you've been doing it for 30 years and you haven't changed anything, you need to look at your process. You need to oh, look at it. how you're doing it. That's a, that's another thing that I've, that I've seen, especially in my best, like, Hey, you know, uh, I've got a team leader that is, um, I, I get a few messages and, and I'm very worried. I always, you know, respond back. I always shut up, uh, point them in your direction. Cause, um, you know, I, I don't consider myself an ex- expert into uh, law enforcement training uh, just because I haven't done any, right? I've, I've uh, uh, worked with the um, uh, Riverside Sheriff's Department and uh, we were doing some some training um, before I left the uh, schoolhouse, a bunch of good guys over there. But I, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, this guy that is, um, you know, the I guess... Uh, my comfort level of being able to teach them, you know, they're essentially the foundation of, of, of shooting because it's completely two different worlds, right? Military sniping and, and law enforcement sniping. A, a lot of snipers, you know, are, are afraid to essentially step outside their comfort zone, right? I think, um, you know, they, it, it, it goes back to that sense of entitlement where, uh, sniper school up to that point will be the hardest thing that they've ever done in their life. And they, and they hold that to their chest. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. I'll tell you right now, out of all the shooting quals that I've been through, uh, the, the sniper school qualification is a fucking walk in the park now. Right. Um, you know what I mean? And, um, and a lot of people hold that, you know, and, and, and people will fucking die by that. People will be like, well, I went through fucking cyber school. You know, I, I have what it takes to be a fucking cyber. Well, guess what? There's a 16 year old in Ohio right now that's slaying fucking, bodies on on the precision rifle court that go to the sniper school uh uh qualification and pass that shit with blind colors with the 308 yeah exactly and and be able to go this is it yeah and and uh like so i i guess identifying that it's like hey are you are you operating outside your comfort zone okay well how do you get outside of your comfort zone you if you're running out of ideas for training well that's where i advocate for going to uh competitive shooting right because or other training you know but I, I, i'll tell you again because training for some people is definitely a lot out, outside their budget um you know especially with a, a a class that is um you know like your class or your my class or even you know ridge line defense i mean our classes aren't cheap right but you know you're paying for that experience you're paying for that instruction you know you're not paying for an NRA certified instructor to tell you about the five weapon safety rules and regurgitate shit that's in the handbook. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so yep. that, that is what you're paying for when you look at the price tag of some, um, you know, training companies. But uh, the, the, the next cheapest way is going to a competition, uh, whether it be local, which is probably 50 to hundred buck registration fee. And I'm telling you, you will learn so much more about your individual shooting capability than you will at any school, right? Because when you go to a school, I, I think I've talked about this, when you go to school, the instructors there are essentially kind of preparing you to, to pass the qualifications, right? I remember, you know, at, um, when I went through, I mean, at cyber school, it's like, hey, we're just training these guys. Yeah, we're training for the combat, but 
you know, we're, we're training them to be still be successful for that right. uh, qualification. Uh, same thing happens at uh, Mountain Sniper and Urban Sniper. At Urban Sniper, it's like, hey, we've got tripods this week. Guess what we're doing all week? We're working on tripods, we're working on how to deploy the tripods, stuff like that. So the instructors are working with you on how to be successful on that qualification come at the end of the week. Well, when you go to a competition, it's like you get read a stage brief and it's like, hey, no one is teaching you how to be successful here. You got to figure out your damn self, mm-hmm. right? You got to figure out, hey, what tools you need to bring, what, uh, what bag you're going to use, what position you're going to use, and how you're going to engage those targets in a timely manner based off of your you know, skill level. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I would say after, it, you know, it's hit or miss. Sometimes, you know, snipers, they show up because they, you know, they give it a dabble, they get their feelings hurt, and they never show up ever again, right? Or they, they, they realize, like, holy shit, like, I'm, I'm supposed to be getting paid to be a sniper and to shoot. And I'm getting my ass whooped by the local dentist, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Hopefully that would light a fire in someone's ass, but unfortunately it doesn't because again, that entitlement and that ego that the sniper community kind of um, deals with. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I would say that um, that's probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest thing. And you know, also um, the other thing that I hear too is like, well, my 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 department won't buy it. I don't give a shit. I don't give like I had one one guy one guy was like yeah my department won't buy me a tripod I'm like dude get on Amazon and spend 150 bucks on a tripod and like grow grow like you are this is you you're not this is this is not what volunteers do volunteers don't sit and point fingers volunteers make shit happen and and that's where i think a lot of this stuff is kind of getting lost in translation over the, you know the generations where it's like no nah, man like all of my gear all of my gear was bought my own i remember when i got when i got blown up man all of my gear that was out on my body besides my besides my body armor was my own shit and they started cutting it off and i was losing my mind i was like don't you fucking cut that off you son of a bitch cuz i thought i was going to be able to come back into the fight but it just wasn't going to happen i was missing half my kneecap but it's like you have that's where the pride comes from that's where the pride of ownership comes from where you're like this is truly mine it's like being familiar with your weapon system you know we just released this this circle of components course and part of this was part of that was inspired by people not understanding what goes into their rifle like what does make uh, an accurate precision shooting system? What, what goes into it? And I mean, I've seen dudes show up to classes where their scope comes loose in the mounts. And then I look at the rifle, I take a really you know close look because I'm helping them fix it. And I'm like, yo, who put this thing together? And the guy was literally, literally said Cabela's. And I was like, excuse me? You had you had some dude that is literally had maybe an hour's worth of training, product training from some scope company, put your rifle together that you are using to potentially save somebody's life. Whoa, like we have to time out. We have to take a, a serious time out here. And that's part of the reason that I came up with that curriculum to begin with was to to, to teach you this is what goes into this this shooting system. This is part of about, this is part of being a volunteer. It's taking the deep dive into understanding everything that goes into the profession that you have volunteered for. 
and it's it has to it has to be that way if you are going to progress yeah i i mean shooting is pulling the trigger is literally 1% of the battle right mm-hmm. it's everything you know before that all of the you know research on internal ballistics external ballistics um truths about cold war thought shots cleaning all these myths that surround shooting i mean that honestly it it takes more than eight hours a month to be able to figure that shit out yourself and and to be, and to be proficient in it really, you know, or even to be proficient in that 1% of trigger pulling, Um, you know, because I mean, I don't know. I, I, I might be, I feel like I'm preaching to choir. It's to me, the, the issues that we had in the Marine Corps and every platoon has this, right. You've got uh, you know, you've got kind of two sets of, bodies right you've got the 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 really freaking motivated ones that like i mean you don't have to you don't have to beg them to get shit done right i mean you can you can task them out with the hardest shit and they'll they'll do it with zero supervision um and they don't bitch about it right and they know why they're there and those are the guys that are you know aspiring to be the next snipers the next chief scouts the next team leaders and then you guys that you got those guys that you know are just there for sure for the platoon shirt because they want to say they were part of snipers sometime in their fucking career. Mm-hmm. And then you see them get out of the Marine Corps and what do they do? Oh, it was in the sniper platoon, blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's like, bitch, you didn't do a fucking thing. <laughs> I see right through that shit. Like I, I have platoon members all the time, you know, that I see and I lurk on. It's like, you know, you, you became a sniper for your own satisfaction and that's it. Um, and, and after that, there was no, you know, no giving back to the community. It's like, I feel like I, I, I feel like there is still not enough that I can do to get back to the community that gave me so much. Yep. And that's, yeah. and, and like, honestly, that's what modern, that's what Genesis of modern day sniper was. That's yeah. what it is. It's, it, you know, I sat down and I, and I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm here purposefully to teach people how to shoot rifles. I think I would like to think that it's, that it's a greater, higher purpose than that. And there, there's something to be said about, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone and saying, well, let's, let's look at myself. Let's look in the mirror and identify, you know, why are you really, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what's your plan? What, what are you trying to say? What's your message? And I think that I think it I think it what it comes down to is just it's it's leadership. It's making sure that that um that you're able to pass on that legacy um and create and be inspirational, right? And 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 I hope so. I would hope so anyways. I would hope that this creates inspiration. Um but I don't also I don't sit there and 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 think about well if I'm not being inspirational then I'm not you know that good of a human being no that's not it either, but I think that um, that it, it takes it just takes somebody to help you along right and, and be a and be a mentor and 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 kind of push that along and create motivation. It's just like you know what man, there's a lot of things that I don't want to do. Like I'm I'm I consider myself to be a fairly productive person. But there are also a lot of things that I do every day that I don't want to do. Like, I don't want to do these things. Do I want to sit in front of my reloading press and reload 400 rounds so that I can go to the range and train? No, it fucking sucks. I would rather be sitting with my kid doing something with my family. 
Um, but I, but it's, those are the things that I have to do in order for me to do my job. Do I, you know, do I want to go out and, and freeze my ass off when it's 16 degrees outside, 15 degrees outside and test my abilities to suffer and still be able to apply the fundamentals of marksmanship and be safe with my rifle. These are the things that I'm that like, you have to do this. These are things that you have to do that you just got to fucking do it. You just have to do it and you have to be focused on the end goal and, and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And, and that's one of those things where I can't, I mean, I can teach you that I can, I can show you where to look for it, but you got to find out where that lives inside you. And you got to be able to tap into that for yourself because all, all I can do is just, all I can do is just show you where to start looking for it. You got to find it yourself. So another thing that, that, that kind of just came to light is, is uh, the definition of, of uh, proficiency. I think everyone has uh, different defi- definitions of what it means to be proficient, mm-hmm. right? I think um, for some people, you know, being proficient means that as long as they're capable within, you know, four or 500 yards, it, you know, they're, they're comfortable and capable, right? Um, or, you know, maybe 100 yards. Um, like for me, like, I would say my goal every time I touch that rifle is to be able to maximize the full capability out of that rifle system uh, in any place, environment, in any position. Mm-hmm. Meaning that like if fucking 25 mile an hour winds and it's standing at a thousand yards, right? It's like I, I'd be able to hit that bitch in my mm-hmm. first shot. And, or I'm and, gonna strive. I'm gonna make every effort. I'm gonna use every tool in my box to make sure that I can make that shot happen. Exactly, right? Um, and, and it's like, oh, you know, I, like when I train, it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not training to be comfortable at four or five hundred yards. No, like, you know, I'm, I'm training to maximize the potential use out of any rifle system that you put in my hands. Right? I don't care if it's a fucking Mauser, um, or <laughs> you know, uh, a, you know, a fucking 50 cal Sasser, uh, M one Oh seven, like, and I, so that's just me. And, and, uh, when, when I see students kind of handle their rifle system and, and, you know, and I see online and all these forums and stuff like that, guys, you know, kind of getting in the long range, like, Oh, I want to be, uh, uh, Alex, um, Hartman talked about in our podcast with Ridgeline. I mean, it's like, guys, Oh, I want to shoot out to a thousand yard, you know, that is, that shit is fucking cake nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, 10 years ago. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty cool. But I mean, people do that shit with their eyes closed right now. Yeah. Literally I can, we can literally show you a natural point of aim test and zero wind conditions and I'll shoot a thousand yards with my eyes closed. Exactly. That hard, mm-hmm. Right. So what is the next step? What is the next step for the generation of, of technology that we have now, especially with the uh, capability of the rifle systems, even off the shelf that we have now? And, you know, um, I, I would say that um, Tony Paulskill put this in a very good perspective, uh, especially on the law enforcement side. I mean, you know, God forbid that, you know, someone... Um, Again, YouTube YouTube University, right? I mean, anyone can learn how to shoot any kind of rifle system, a pistol, rifle, whatever the case is. I mean, there are there are rifle systems out there that are truly capable of reaching out and touching someone super far away, right? Mm-hmm. 
well, I mean, if you've got that threat, it's like, well, why don't you, why can you not train to that threat? Right. That's a hundred percent. And you know, I, I, I tell law enforcement courses all the time that because our qual, we shoot tripods out to 500 and I've had a lot of people ask me like, why do you do that? That's, that's, that's kind of stupid when the average engagement distance is 57 yards. And my answer to that is complacency. Number one. Um, and number two, have you guys seen what is capable with a rifle in the year 2020? And if you saw what is possible with a rifle in the year 2020, I guarantee you, you would change your mind because there's going to be one of those days, man, it's going to happen. Hopefully it never happens. I hope it never does. But you know, in our line of work, we have to prepare for those situations. We have to mentally and physically prepare for them. What happens if somebody just decides to start shooting people from 800 out, 900 out? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, if you haven't trained that far, you don't have, you don't have any idea of what your capabilities are. You got a weapon system that'll do it. And I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to be like, well, there's so many different use of force and blah, 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 articulation, use of force and yada, yada, yada. Dude, don't give me that stuff, man. Like I actually, I just had a conversation with the guy the other day. He had a situation come up and, and he called me and, and, um, he just, he needed a vent and he was just like, man, I had this situation. This was what it was. I can't, I can't, I don't want to say what it is right now because I don't want to get him in trouble, but it was, it was major enough that he asked me the question and I had my answer of what I would do. And he was like, well, yeah, but like half of my team was the other half of the team was on this side and and the other half was on this side in terms of like what you would do. And, And that's a serious problem because, you know, you have to, you all have to be on the same sheet of music when it comes to that. And like when it, when, it, when it comes to stretching outside your comfort zone and being prepared for what you potentially could see as unthinkable, like that's also things that you need to prepare for. You, you have to look at those instances and say, okay, when was the last time we got dope out to a grand? And that, you know, everybody, I've heard somebody like, ah, we never shoot past six. Why? Why? Go shoot past six. Go gather the data. Figure out what it's like identify, Hey man, like really my hit percentage at this point in time with my level of proficiency, maybe 25, 30%. Be honest with yourself. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. It just means that you haven't been proficient in that area of training and it's, and you're now identifying a deficiency that you need to work on. That's not a bad thing. And this is where that, this is where the ego stuff comes into play. And you and, and a lot of people say, oh, well, you need to put your ego aside. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Because yeah, what does that mean? What, what is, does what that even mean? That mean? Yeah. That's a good question. And and what ego people think that when you put your ego aside, it's I think it, it stems along the lines of, you know, don't worry if you fuck up, right? Or um, just, just keep your mouth shut, open to instruction or open to receiving. And that's what people think is putting your ego aside. And the problem with that is that ego is very complex. Ego is not just as simple as, um, you know, putting it aside. You can't put it aside. Ego is who you are as a person. 
Ego is everything about everything it is that you do each and every day. It's, it's about the decisions that you make. It's about your personality traits. It, it dictates your intentions. It dictates how you interact with people every day. And it dictates how you feel about yourself and how you value yourself. And so when people say, put your ego aside, to me, that just, that means that that person doesn't know what it means either. So what do you think, Phil? What what do you think that is? So I think, again, as snipers, we all go through this and, uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit, like, you know, there's, there's, uh, days that, or my young sniper days, I was definitely, there's a lot of ego, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. um, when I, uh, you know, graduated cyber school, went to rifles only. It's like, I got this, like, you know, fucking cyber now, you know, I, I, I know, I, I know what the fuck I'm, I'm doing. Me and Jacob Bynum and having him go through the fucking quals and, and shooting tests that he, he put us through. And I realized I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> uh... and, and then, and then again, Fast forward another year later, uh, I have the ability to go to Mountain Sniper. Um, and then I realized, I was like, all right, well, like, I need to listen to the instructors because they're going to help me be successful. And, you know, regardless of the fact that we're all snipers, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I, I, I think in order for me to, um, to grow and evolve as a sniper, uh, especially a senior sniper, because I, I just assumed the, the uh, responsive chief scout, you know, the last thing that I need to do is fail a school and go back to my unit and, you know, talk about how, oh, you need to fucking do X, Y, Z. But I mean, honestly, it's like first impression is everything, especially, you know, with a new command and, and, and stuff like that. But if you go to your unit, and you find out that your chief scout just failed this school, it's like, I mean, honestly, would you fucking listen to him? Probably fucking not, right? So that was a driving force when I started attending all these following schools. It was like, okay, well, in order for me to be successful, I need to humble myself, and I need, I need to truly understand what it means to continue to be a student in this craft. Went to Mountain, graduated that, was high shooter from that, and then immediately turned around three months later and went to Urban Sniper. Having done Urban or uh, Mountain Sniper, the hardest shooting qual, you know, in the, the Marine Corps has to offer, um, you know, I was like, all right. And I was going through Urban Sniper with my junior Marines. Um, again, it, it was a, a potential for me to have that ego of like, well, I'm a fucking high shooter at, at Mountain. But I, I realized that like, this is a completely new, it's a new journey for me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, I, I, I you know, all, other than hearsay from other schools, it's like I need to be successful at this, at this course, because not only am I obviously, you know, going to pass or fail, but I'm, I'm shooting this with all my other junior Marines that are snipers. I think we, we ended up sending nine of us to that class. Um, and a, a lot of them had just uh, uh, finished um, sniper school. And obviously they were all gunning for me, right. They were all gunning for me for, for high shooter because I was, I was a chief and, uh, you know, I was like, all right, well, like just, just do what the instructors are telling me. Right. Because you know, they're the instructors, they're helping me on being successful. There's no point in me trying to do my own fucking thing. Right. Um, 
because it worked for me in the past, right? So the things that they, they, they were telling me to do, even though I, I, I probably didn't agree with it. I mean, I just, I was just like, all right, well, it's working. So I'll just do it, you right. know, um, because it made me successful. And I, I think, um, continue on this path, right? I, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely times where I've ran into my own ego um, of, you know, I would say that the biggest thing that for my ego that really kills me is my performance at matches. And we talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. right? I feel like I always feel like the, my performance at matches um, dictates my, um, uh, my visibility in the precision rifle community as someone that is, you know, like, why the fuck should I take instruction from Philip Vallejo when he gets fucking 10th or whatever? Like yep. that, that's my ego that killed me, right? When we, when we talk about that stuff. Yep. Um, but it's like, you know, why do I have to prove any, anything to anyone other than myself? I, and that's something I still have to get over, uh, which is what I admire you about. It's like, hey, the only person that I'm proving to at a match is, is myself and my, my capabilities and my, and I'm, t- it's a, it's a, I'm trained, I'm testing my training program back at home. I'm using the competition to see how well I'm able to train or using my training program to, you know, essentially elevate my uh, abilities as a rifleman. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's what you do, right? I try to. And, yeah. and so a lot of this stuff, um, the ego aspect of it is I'm, I've just kind of like started to, to dig into what it is in the last couple of years. And the reason that I've done that is I've had, I've had a couple of pretty, pretty profound life experiences in the last few years that have caused me to take a serious look at these things because I do believe that it definitely impacts performance. It definitely impacts your ability to receive instruction. It definitely impacts your ability to look in the mirror and truly be honest with yourself about where, not necessarily where are you at, like you, but where is your ego at today? And how well are you like, do you get defensive? What's the first thing? What's the first thing that people usually do when you're providing instruction to them that have been around a rifle for a minute and you try to give them feedback? What's the first thing that they always do? They give a fucking excuse. Yeah. I don't care. Like, stop, just stop, man. Just stop. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like I'm not judging you. The only person that's judging you right now is yourself. And that is what is holding you back. You're being held back by yourself, not by anything else. And so we see it. That's, that's something. And you know, man, I was guilty of it too, dude. Like I was totally guilty of it when I, when I didn't really understand what was happening and I didn't really truly start to get on the path of, of trying to figure it out until I had those, those life experiences where I truly understood that, yo, dude, you are literally not even a speck of sand in this whole thing. I mean, and you know, I've been to, I've been to so many places where, where that is reinforced to me that, um, that it definitely causes me to have, um, to look at that stuff and say, okay, well, what really is this all about? Like, what, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, I'm supposed to be learning everything. I'm supposed to be learning everything. And that way that I can, uh, hopefully turn it into uh, digestible content for somebody else to learn. And if I can take my experiences with, with ego, cause it's very powerful, man, it's very powerful 
when you can learn how to identify that, um, like when you see somebody get really upset, you see somebody get really pissed off uh, or they miss a shot. Like this is one of my biggest pet peeves. Like when they miss a shot, what's the first thing people do that are like, I can automatically zero in on who's living in their ego by the reaction to when they miss. Um, if you automatically go to self-deprecating behavior and, and it's almost like you have to, you have to verbally show everybody that's around that you knew that you were going to miss that shot or, uh, Oh, I meant to do that. Uh, shit, man. I, you know, I, I fucked that off. And it's like, dude, you are, you're, you are your own worst enemy at this point in time. Like how many times have we seen somebody at a shooting match, miss a couple of shots or to completely bomb a stage and they are just jello for the rest of the day. Oh, I'm guilty as fuck for that. Yeah, man. You're totally, because you're, you know what you're worried about? You're worried about what everybody else thinks. Yep. And, and the fact of the matter is, is, is are there people out there that are looking at you? I guarantee there's people out there that right now they're like, man, if I can just, if I can just beat Phil in a stage, if I can just beat that dude, cool. You beat me. What's cool. What is that? Is that going to help you sleep better at night? I mean, if it does, sweet, excellent, because I'm totally fine with that. It doesn't mean anything to me. Like I don't validate my existence by how well I shoot at a rifle match or how well I do anything. I validate my existence on that. I do the best that I could with the tools that I had and that I do it with the best of intentions. Right. So that I think also has a lot to do with it. What are your intentions? Like, what, that, that why, says, why are you that, doing this? I mean, that says a lot right there in that statement that you just said. I mean, I'm doing the best that I can with what I have to my, to my, with my best intentions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that is, it's key for all of our listeners, right? Now they're not just competitive, not just law enforcement snipers, military snipers, but definitely competitive shooters, right? Because especially right now with this pandemic, a lot of people are losing their shit because they're not able to fucking chase their points, right? <laughs> fucking unreal. Yeah. Um, and it's like, like I get it, you know, the competitive shooting is a hobby. And what I, what I liked about, um, you know, your circle of components class is you talk about, you have a quote in there that says, you know, this is considered a weapon that is now being used as a tool for enjoyment, mm-hmm. which is completely true. Right. But at the end of the day, it's still a freaking weapon system, you know, that is able to take a life. Right. And that is meant to take a life, honestly. Yeah. Um, although you may not build it, build it for, uh, you know, that purpose. Right. That was the intent, uh, initial purpose of a, a sniper rifle. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think um, I, on that aspect of the competitive shooting side, for me, my ego still kind of eats me away. I'm still working on that. I, I think I've gotten a lot better uh, than my, my, my mental aspect. Um, but, you know, one thing that you had uh, talked about in terms of uh, being a teacher is, is right now I'm, I'm at the same. It's like when I, when I, when I educate myself on something in, in regards to our craft, you know, whether it be external ballistics, whether it be internal ballistics, anything, even, even when, when, uh, when Aaron and I, um, talk and we were doing our curriculum, um, uh, review, he, uh, you know, he teaches the, uh, like a nonchalant, like engineer class with me. And the whole time I'm absorbing that information, which is awesome. I'm thinking about how I can digest that down into the simplest terms mm-hmm. to articulate it to my students. 
right? Yep. Because if I can't digest it, I guess what I'm not saying it. And I'm not, I'm not too, because if it, if it's too essentially, if it's like over my head, because I think it's unapplicable, it's like, why, why am I going to even waste my time mm-hmm. trying to teach that to the students when they're already condensed with all this information? So that's, that's, you know, that's what I, for me, that's what I'm a, currently a student in is a, a, a student in figuring out how to um, take information and uh, um, present it in a manner which all learning um, curves and, and um, levels can learn. Yeah. Looking at, looking at it from the standpoint of what, you know, further expounding on like the ego aspect of it. If you, if you had a really, you know, I used to think that there was good ego and bad ego because, you know, we, we do, everybody does have it. And you, know, you start looking at like, okay, well, how did I react to that certain thing? Like when you, like you're talking about your class with Aaron, you know, how do you react to that? Do you, do you look at it truly from, whoa, okay, cool. Like this is super interesting to me. Or do you look at it in, and now this is subconsciously. Now this is not conscious thought process. This is subconscious stuff. If you are looking at things and you have, um, uh, you don't have a desire to listen to it, right? You're just like, fuck this. I don't fucking know this stuff. You got to watch that. Like you, you got to watch that. That's, that is that negative part of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming up inside you because there's something else that's not resolved, right? There's something else that's not resolved and something else is eating at you. That's preventing you from that forward progression. That's the stuff that you got to look at. We're almost almost bleeding into our, uh, um, how to be a good student kind of podcast we wanted to talk about. Yeah, Yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, you, and I, as a teacher now or instructor for the last four years, you can easily read that on someone's fucking body, totally face and body language. When you start, just like we talked about the last podcast, like the land nav thing, like, dude, everything's a test. Like I'm watching you. I am fucking watching you like everything. I'm watching your, I'm watching your eyeballs. Like I want to see where you look. Um, so you, you start looking and you start analyzing it. And, and as an example, like there's some people, somebody said something to me about like, what does it feel like when one of your students outshoots you? And I looked at him and I was like, makes me happy it truly makes me happy. And this person just looked at me like incredulous. They're like, how could you possibly think that? Like, he's going to think that, you know, now you're not relevant. It's like, yo dude, like, that's my purpose. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to, I'm here to make you better than me. Like I'm here to watch you grow. I'm here to see you progress. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if, if that wasn't my main goal. I want you to succeed. I want you to be a better shooter than me because now will all students do that? No, not all students will do that. And that's fine. It just to, like, hopefully I can help you unlock that potential. And, um, I've had lots of my students that, that, uh, like, I don't like you guys know, like, I don't chase the matches. Like if I have an opportunity to go to a shooting match, I'll go do it. Um, it, it's, it's just not where I spend the majority of my time. Um, but, when I do go, I can tell you right now that I'm not, I used to, I used to focus really hard on, um, chasing all the points and, and identifying where I was in the pack. And, and you know what it did? It fucked with my brain to the point where it made me not want to do it. I was like, this fucking sucks, man. None of this is making me happy. This sucks. I, I feel 
I feel as though that um, it's just not where I should be. You know, it's not where it's not where my brain should be. It's not where my soul should be. And so I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. This is it's not fun, um, and I'm I'm living in my own ego while I'm trying to be successful. And that actually ended up hurting me. And so when I started to just when I started to just show up and shoot and not really give a shit about anything other than, than analyzing, okay, this is the problem that I have in front of me. I'm just going to solve it. And it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how I perform only to myself. I started to shoot way better. I started to shoot way better. Um, I've actually had to tell people like I, <laughs> Tony Jamelli, man, I don't know if, if you've met Tony Jamelli, but he's really competitive. He's a good friend of mine, but he's also very competitive. And he came to me at a, at a match one time. And he's just like, yo, dude, if you shoot like two, if you, you can only miss two here and fucking three over here. And I was like, Tony, stop. I need you to stop right now. I don't want to hear any more of it. And he just did, like, it took him a second to understand that like, truly, I don't care about any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, perhaps that's what, perhaps that's what, you know, keeps me from, from being at the top. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, to be quite honest with you, I don't care. Um, because that's just not what my purpose there is. And so, but when I started to not think about it, I started to shoot way better. I started to shoot way more consistently because I was out of my own head and I was truly focusing on my intention and my purpose other than the negative aspects of ego. I uh, was looking at, I was trying to find a, a comment. It, it made me think of um, one of our, I would say, uh, indirect students. Um, he's never taken a formal class from us, but he you know, reaches out every now and then for, for information. Um, not only does he reach out for information, but he also applies it, right? Um, but Chris, Chris Way. And, um, oh, yeah very analytical and and one of the things that he said to me in one of our conversations um is one of his first litmus tests uh, i ask in any field is not who you are it's what your students are capable of um i think the greatest honor that i will ever have as an instructor um is for one of my students to surpass surpass me um you know i i think i would love like you said i would love for uh my student you know to to go to a match and he's there and you know fucking whoop my ass mm -hmm. right um because for me that would be honestly that would be a lot more satisfying than a, a, a podium finish really right um you know i would say that you know some of my greatest accomplishments really um that i look back to were when my uh junior marines with that i had sent to sniper school came back as successful hogs because really it's a fucking hit or miss. It's like, I would say 50 for 50% 50 chance. Um, um, depending on the, you know, how well the leader you are, hopefully it's a lot higher. Right. But, you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, by the time I, I deployed on my, um, third deployment, uh, my, on my, my fourth deployment, um, everyone in my team, uh, minus two were hogs. But then the two pigs, because I, I ended up going to the schoolhouse. Uh, so Ben and, and Riley, uh, Ben who works with me now, um, after I had left, um, they had became hogs. So, you know, when I look at my my team picture that's on my refrigerator and I look at everyone um, and they're all snipers now. Um, and, and to me, you know, that, that just 
honestly, that, that for, as a, as a leader, that means more to me than even my own hog's tooth really. Um, yeah. You know, just, just being able to, you know, um, mentor them. And, and, and like we talked about it in the last podcast. I think that's one of the b- biggest things I miss about uh, wearing the uniform is being able to uh, mentor and, and uh, guide like-minded individuals. Because like you said, I, I think a lot of us have a hard time, if, especially if we don't have good mentors. I mean, a lot of us have a hard time finding our way. And I, and I think one thing that I was blessed with in the, in the Marine Corps and why I had, it's a very successful, you know, um, uh, 10 year service is because I had really good mentors, you know, starting from my team leader, Abernathy, that took care of me to, um, you know, Gunny Sullivan, who was my platoon sergeant, then going over to the schoolhouse, uh, Satello, uh, Hughes, you know, those guys there. Um, I mean, they really shaped me over, you know, well-roundedly on, on, and, and they were great leaders on, Hey, these are the aspects of, that I want to try to emulate, you know, in, in, in terms of my leadership style. Um, and that's one thing that I appreciate with you. I've talk about all the time is, you know, you're able to offer me a lot of mentorship behind the scenes in terms of navigating my way as a single father and, and, um, you know, um, in, in the civilian workforce as a instructor. Well, man, that's, that's humbling. I appreciate that. Um, but you're being a mentor right now. You're being a mentor communicating to the people that are listening to this podcast. And that is a way like that you, that you can use your voice. You can use your voice to, to be a mentor and to communicate this information to people that are willing and ready to digest it. And so the other thing that we have to understand is that people are going to consume information at their own rate. And they're going to look at things... Um, and they're not, you might not comprehend it on the first go around. You might like a lot of people have asked me, what is this mindfulness behind the rifle thing that you're talking about? Guess what, dude, we're talking about mindfulness behind the rifle right now. That's all encompassing. It's everything that you do. It's everything that you do with your life from the moment you wake up in the morning and you swing your feet out of bed and you set your intention for the day. That's all on you. And And that also stems to what you can do with your rifle, like what you can do with that connection. And that is truly, that's what we're talking about with mindfulness behind the rifle. And it's, it's truly evaluating yourself, really, really, truly evaluating yourself and saying, okay, you know, what am I doing here? And, you know, you know, some people could be doing it for fun. Some people could be doing it for, you know, profession. Some people could be doing it, um, as a result of, um, you know, their own personal drive to see what it is that they're capable of. Um, you know, we see guys on the, on the competitive circuit that are just fiends for this stuff. And it makes you wonder, like, it makes you wonder like, okay, what's driving that dude right there? What's driving him? Like, why, why is he doing that? That's, that's their journey, man. That's their journey. And, and truly, honestly, like it's, it's kind of none of your business. You know what I mean? Like, instead of focusing on what they're doing, focus in, focus on what you're doing, focus on where you're at. And I guarantee you, if you just sit back and do that, you will make more progress instead of chasing it. You have to just truly be honest with yourself. And once you can, once you can be honest with yourself and you can look at it and say, okay, well, this is exactly why I'm here. You're going to be able to have a much more clearly defined path forward. Yeah, I think um, kind of going back to, you know, the beginning of this podcast of, of our talks about, you know, guys 
what it means to truly be a volunteer and how to kind of stay motivated when, you know, essentially when, you know, there's, you just don't know what to do. Right. I mean, cause at the end of the day, most law enforcement snipers that I've seen, I mean, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I think it, a lot of it is just because, uh, a lot of their doctrines outdated. Right. Um, mm-hmm. like you said, a lot of complacency and, I mean, same thing with the, I would say the cyber community, um, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, hasn't really evolved. And, you know, when you look at a, a, a basic snipers, when I was, you know, in three years ago, you know, kind of their training package, it, it kind of revolved around the qualifications that you would find at the schoolhouses, whether it be mm-hmm. urban or, or, or cyber or mountain. Um, and then I realized it's like, there's so much more training that you could be get accomplished other than it's like going to work out right when you go work out it's like you know you got your three major you got your three major uh lifts um you know squat deadlift uh press um but there are also ways to work those muscles with different workouts mm-hmm. you know and it's about finding those different workouts so that a you know, you do those different workouts for a month and then a month later, go back to your bench. Most likely your bench is going to increase. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So, right. so identify your, your major training, you know, uh, your, your main training. So it's shooting off a tripod standing, shoot off a tripod kneeling, shoot off a tripod sitting, you know, those three different things. Okay. Now let me figure out ways to dissect. All right. This is how I, I can accomplish the standing off of a barricade, off a ladder, off of a whatever. Right. But I'm still working the same functions as I would as my primary task of, you know, standing. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. It, it, that's, and that's really what that thought process, that outside the box thought process um, really in our world, that, that's not, that shouldn't be labeled as outside the box. You know what I mean? No. Like that's, that's part of what it means to be a volunteer. It's like, you but I think what we, we going back to what we always talk about, I think some of the most basic stuff that you and I would consider basic is not so basic for other people. True. Very true. Right. right. And, and the, the, hence the birth of the circle of components class. Right. I mean, um, I, I talked about it with one of the guys at KRG, one of the most overlooked things that we, we would say as experienced professionals in this, this graph is taking out, uh, action screws from a stock Remington 700, taking a barreled action out and putting in a Bravo chassis, right? Uh, those guys at KRG, I mean, one, uh, one of the nice we did at SHOT Show, I mean, <laughs> I think that was one of the, I asked like, hey, what's the most frequently asked like question that you get uh, at during customer service? Like how to fucking remove your, uh, like just a stock 700 and put it into one of the other chassis. Mm-hmm. That's just overlooked, just taking that shit apart. Um, uh, and you know, I, I think again, another reason for modernity sniper, we're, we're hopefully you guys are using, able to take this information and although it might seem, you know, basic for, you know, Kalen and I, you know, it might be like, uh, you know, calculus or whatever for, for you, hopefully it's not. Cause you know, the, I, I try to do the best I can to digest it to, you know, algebra. Right. Uh, but some, still some people, you know, they, they message me and they're like, Man, sometimes the fucking shit you post on your social media, it's like I'm reading fucking like calculus math or whatever, but I only graduated algebra. <laughs> it's like, trust me, bro. I, I the, the highest I got to was pre-cal and I, right. I fucking love math. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, try not to, to, uh, dive down a, a diff, different rabbit hole, but, um, I think finding a mentor, uh, definitely helps in, in this, uh, community. Um, you, you know, and that mentor doesn't necessarily have to be a sniper too, mm-hmm. right? I, I would say, um, two of my, two or three of my shooting mentors are not even snipers. Um, one's a Marine Solomon. He's, you know, he's, um, and I would say that I've, I've grown him as a shooter, but he's still a, you know, a mentor to me, you know, uh, you know, we text every now and then he's definitely my reloading, uh, go-to, um, another guy's, uh, James Jeffries. He knows uh, a lot about gear, you know, and equipment. He really knows how to, uh, look through the, the BS on, I mean, he's very intricate in the fine details of, of equipment, right? Um, and him and I hash it out all the time and battle out our, on our differences of, of ergonomics and, and whatever. Uh, but, you know, he's very knowledgeable in that sense that I, I'm able to pick his brain on what he, what he thinks is viable, especially as a enthusiast himself, mm-hmm. right? So as an instructor, I'm, I'm kind of picking off his brain to see, okay, what is an enthusiast looking for when they are, you know, picking a rifle stock or whatever um, and stuff like that. So I would say, best way to find that is, you know, go to a class, meet other people, right. That are, have passion for, for long range shooting, you know, other snipers, because I think that is what's going to help drive their motivation to be better. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're not finding it in the, um, in, in your community, right. Uh, find it elsewhere. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, finding, finding mentorship is important because, you know, a lot of people, have asked to like, okay, well, how do I get, how do I, how do I change the direction of the boat? Like, how do I do this? How, how do I invoke positive change? Um, well, you have to learn how to become a, a really good communicator. And I, you know, we always used to tell people, oh, you got to be a salesman. You got to sell yourself. You got to sell yourself. It's like, okay, dude, that's fine. But goddamn, tell me how to sell myself. Like you, you, you can tell me, you can tell me something until you're blue in the face, but I need you to tell me how. Well, you do that through leading by example. You do that by showing that you are a volunteer and that you are going above and beyond. And through that, you are, you're identifying the deficiencies and you're not only just shaking your fist at the world and screaming at the top of your lungs, this is fucked up and this shouldn't be this way. Nobody cares. Nobody cares when you do that. But what people do care about is when you change that message and you, I don't even know if I want to use the word manipulation because that's, that sounds really negative. But what you got to do is you have to figure out how, how, how to craft that message so that it gains, so that it gains attention. And you do it in a way that, that is, um, well, you do it in a way that, that you, that you got to figure out how it's going to be received the best way and you have to craft it in that way. And, and I'm telling you guys, the, the change comes from the wheelhouse. So like you got a big giant container ship moving through the sea and a lot of people that, that are kind of in the throes, I guess you will, of saying, um, well, it shouldn't be this way and that's just the way it is. Well, sorry, dude. Like, you're not going to do anything. That's basically trying to steer a container ship with a fucking oar from a canoe. You have to figure out how to get into the wheelhouse and use the rudder of that boat to steer it. And the way that you do that is 
through creativity, through knowledge, through understanding what it means to be a volunteer and putting yourself in a position where you can, where you can craft your message in a way that is, is not kicking and screaming and throwing a fit. Um, and, and trust me guys, I've been there too, man. Like I could tell you stories about me being a mouthy sergeant <laughs> getting put in my place and, uh, not just the Robbie Reedsman story. Like I've got several of them. Um, but I was passionate. I was really passionate about what I was trying to say. And I hadn't yet had a mentor in my life to teach me how to say those things. And once I learned how to craft my message a different way, um, I started to see, you know, areas of success. And that's really what you have to do. You have to figure out how to craft your message. And you could have, a, you could have all the information in the world, but if you can't, if you can't communicate it to somebody, then you, you're not really doing yourself or your organization any good. So um, this is the point at which, you know, if you need help, you reach out to somebody that you know and respect and say, I need help, man. I really need help. Can you teach me how to do this? Or can you give me some recommendations on how to do this? And that's another part of that ego thing that we have to look at and say, it is not a negative reflection on you to ask for help. Yes. It, that's it a, not, that's, that's man. a great freaking point. And, and that is the biggest thing that I think uh, hinders a lot of people's ability to learn is because they don't want to be the guy that asks the question. Yes, because then that shows weakness. Exactly. And in our line of work, in our former profession, um, showing weakness was was a critical error, right? That was identifying your, identifying your center of gravity to the enemy is, is death, right? So that is basic tactics. Um, we look for the enemy's center of gravity and do everything that we can to exploit it until we can destroy it. So, but in our, but in our world, in our quest for understanding and our quest for knowledge, that, that is the key to truly opening yourself up to receiving that information is understanding and acknowledging that, Hey man, I don't know it all. And it's okay for me to say that I don't know it all. Um, and I, you know, unfortunately we have this, we have this crazy thing out there called the internet. And then this other crazier thing called social media, which, um, just seems to exacerbate these problems more so through, you know, people's, um, instant ability to virtue signal, um, and instant ability to say, well, you know, I know this and, and you don't know that. And I have the answer to this. And, and it really shuts people down. Um, it, it shuts people down to learning and, um, people are just, they can be assholes and it's like, well, let's look at where that individual is coming from. Like what's causing them to act that way. Then, then you just use that as an example to not be like that. Um, but as if you guys are out there and, and you're, you're concerned about saying something about saying that you don't know something, just stop it. Just, just say, yo, dude, I don't know this. And, and I guarantee things are going to come to you a lot easier that way. And you're going to feel, you're going to have a lot less resistance that way when you're trying to get something done. The, um, I, I, I was thinking about something as you were talking um, and it, again, it just completely just went over the top of my head. Um, it, 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 you know, so the, the, the people that are living in the box, you know, who those people are on social media, the people that fucking name drop Hathcock and Chris Kyle. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> those people are 
straight living in the box. And yep. granted, I'm not taking anything away from what those two, um, you know, uh, sniper legends per se have, have done. Uh, but, you know, for those that are listening and, you know, for those that follow me on social media, um, you know, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a thing going on right now is that every time someone name drops Hathcock or Chris Kyle or Chuck Mahaney, I get tagged in it uh, because they know it just fucking in, in, incites my blood uh, mainly because the argument is coming from that interviewer is like, Oh, well fucking Hathcock or fucking Chris Kyle didn't need that shit. It's like, get the fuck out of here. You know, I don't even know. Um, you, yeah. First off, you don't know who the fuck you, you are you second off, you know, everyone that posts the picture of uh, what it presumably is Hathcock of him shooting off his knee is not sorry. Mm-hmm. Spoiler oh, yeah. alert. Uh, yep. You know exactly what picture I'm talking about. It's a very yeah, as a matter picture. of fact, I got it right there. The boys right there. Uh, Army Sniper School did that up for me. Um, that's uh, that's Lance Corporal Dalton. Yep. So, you know, just understand, like, there are certain things about being a sniper, right? A lot of responsibilities that you have other than just the title, okay? Um and you know i would say my message to any anyone wearing the sniper billet right because now we share the same title whether your school was a week whether it was 13 weeks nine weeks whatever um again law enforcement military if you if you hold that title um i mean eight hours isn't going to cut the mustard to be proficient in, in how you should be proficient in right um you know, when you become a sniper, your standards completely have changed, right? And you should always hold yourself to that, the, the, the highest standard you can possibly have um, in regards to that. Um, you know, if you're, if you're having trouble, and, and this is kind of a plug for kind of the future of modern day sniper, you know, and Kaylin and I talked about creating a mentorship program for, um, I don't know, if, have we talked about that yet with these guys? Um, you know, we, we have a mentorship program. It's, it's basically our oh, yeah, one on, yeah. one-on-one instruction. Yeah, one-on-one instruction. Yeah. And we're, we're going to expand that to the virtual side too, but yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that, um, for the virtual side, I, I think I was meant, meaning step for the virtual side of the house. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, which I think, I, you know, people, some people that I follow, especially successful, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs, you know, they have that, right. They have people that are, you know, aspiring to be those guys and looking for mentorship and guidance on how to run their business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I think it's very successful for them, you know, and, and I think that for modern day sniper, that definitely is, is, uh, is the future, right. To be able to mold the future generation of snipers. Cause one thing I, I also realize is, you know, also not too many people have accessibility to the range like you and I do. Yeah. Uh, right. And, um, at, at the same token, it's like, how bad do you want it? Right. So for me as an instructor at cyber school, unfortunately, although I had access to the range every day, Monday through Friday, we still couldn't shoot our personal rifles at the range. Mm-hmm. Right. So what did I have to do? I had to figure out from San Clemente, California, drive either two hours up North to Angela shooting range with the range out to only 600 yards and then drive back four hours because of fucking traffic or drive to Paula, which is an hour and a half and three hours back. Right. I did that. I committed myself to do that every Saturday. Right. So I spent a whole day just traveling and shooting because I wanted to, to, because Monday through Friday was still not cutting the mustard. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, as well as I do as an instructor, it's like a lot of times people think that all we're doing is fucking being, being on the gun. Right. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's like yep. more times than not, we're sitting on fucking glass and um, doing other things. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, you, you got you just got to figure out your why. You got to ask yourself like, hey, what what your what your intention is. This goes back to mindfulness behind the rifle. You know, ultimately, when every time you connect with it there's purpose right and you know this goes back to some of my rants that i just had a couple days ago it's like hey man i get it you're social distancing and you're practicing social distancing (laughs) but that's just a fucking trend stop that shit tell me what tell me tell me what you're going away yeah tell me what you're working on tell me that you're being productive rather than just hashtagging and taking a fancy picture of your your your, uh your uh your, your rifle um, because guess what? All the other ninety percent of the, the digital rifle shooters are doing the same thing. But you know what? The other ten percent um, are are doing. A, they're probably not taking a picture, but they're they're working on certain training tasks, right? Uh, that are making them better riflemen, mm-hmm. rather than just posting a picture on social media and yeah. hashtagging social dis- practicing social distancing before it was cool. <laughs> Well, uh, I think that's probably a, as good a spot as any to wrap this one up, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is good. Hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, everyone liked it. Not, not another technical one. Um, you know, I think we've got a, a few technical ones up our sleeve. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's still a lot I want to talk about, obviously. Uh, but I think this is a good segue into letting our audience know that this modern day sniper podcast isn't just about the technical aspects of long range shooting. Yeah. Right? It's a holistic approach, man. It really yeah. is. And a lot of this, um, if, if, if we can do anything, it's, it's, it's plant a seed, right. And let that seed germinate and then water it. And then eventually it's going to friggin' grow into something awesome. So, uh, some of this stuff, guys, it might sound it might sound like a rant. Um, it might sound like, you know, maybe badgering if you want to call it that. But really, it's just the passion that's coming out and and that uh, that aspect of mentorship. So I, I would encourage all of you guys that are listening, if this stuff rings with you, if it resonates with you, and and you need some help, please reach out to us. We will like. It, it, especially myself on, you know, on the modern day sniper side, um, you know, Phil is with me at modern day sniper for the podcast. Um, but as a result of like, you know, he's working for Gunworks and and I'm working for modern day sniper. I can help you. Both of us can help you, um, reach out to us and, and, and make sure that you're saying, Hey dude, like, okay, I need some help and I need to, I need some, I need some assistance in, um, in driving the bus, right. Or, or helping, helping shift the paradigm. We'd be more than happy to talk with you. It's uh, it's really important because this is what we're here for, right? This is, this is our purpose. So with that being said, guys, I hope you all have a great week. And um, again, major apologies. I got a bunch of comments. <laughs> Somebody who said, come on, man, it's been nine days since the last episode. What's up? It's just we, at least on my end, I've been getting my ass kicked trying to get this online training up and going. So, um, got uh, uh, some exciting news for everyone next week. So, uh, I'll be uh, dropping that as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's gonna be uh, so summer's right around the corner. 
uh, we'll find out this week um, as far as Wyoming, as far as social distancing guidelines concerned. Oh, yeah. But I hope everyone's uh, being safe. I know I've been um, been off of uh, the social media posts uh, lately, but there's a reason for that. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting back at it and, and getting you guys some uh, some content and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed this one. Uh, let us know um, via messages on, on social media or an email. Um, if you guys like this type of podcast, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. Um, you know, I, and I definitely enjoy the whole mentorship leadership kind of aspect of it. Um, rather than just talking about the technical aspects of long range shooting. So, um, on that guys, thanks. And keep your face on the gun. Right on guys. Shoot. Well, till next time. Boom.